everybody. I'm HP Braincase. And I'm JR Skinny Cat. And welcome back to ReDCAU. Or for those of you who like your beef to come from the USSR, Red, Red Cow. Cow. Your DC Animated Universe Rewatch Podcast. This time we'll be reviewing episode four of Batman the Animated Series, The Last Laugh. This episode was written by Carl Swenson and directed by our first returning director, Kevin Altieri. People familiar with the series will know him as the man who directed the first episode of the series, On Leather Wings. Before we start reviewing the plot, I just wanted to mention that in the beginning credits, there is an image of a clown, which is one of the most terrifying things I've seen recently, including everything on Spousal Spoops. For those of you who aren't aware, Spousal Spoops is the stream that JR and I do every Sunday over on twitch.tv slash hpbraincase, where we play horror video games together. Also, a general note about the episode, I feel like the animation quality in this one was a little lower than the first three episodes, with some weird exceptions to that rule. Specifically, some minor characters have their faces drawn with far too much detail, and it's really weird. But, you know, something we could look forward to in this episode. It is another episode involving gas, just like the last one, but this time it stays consistently green. All right. The episode opens, as we're starting to grow accustomed to, on a wide shot of Gotham City, where it quickly narrows down into a newspaper delivery truck dropping off a stack of newspapers at a newsstand. The top paper is cut off of the stack and is shown to us as the audience to serve as an expository device to let us know that it is in fact April Fool's Day in Gotham. A small hiccup I noticed is that the newspaper truck reads Gotham Globe, but the newspaper itself says Gotham News. I wonder if that's because there were two separate animating teams working on those scenes, or if the storyboard director just didn't catch it. As we pull out from the newsstand, we get a view of the building that it's right next to, which has a fun name on the side, Café Noir. Yeah, I noticed that. I was thinking it was a nod to the art style that they use in the series. Also, it happens to mean black coffee. So, you know, real original, guys. The scene shifts over to Gotham Bridge and a large garbage barge traveling underneath it. The barge, which we will henceforth refer to as the Gar Barge, is being piloted by an incredibly creepy clown. Wafting off of the barge is the aforementioned green gas, which starts to affect the people on the bridge and have a strange effect on them. Specifically, they are thrown into fits of laughter. The main person we see this happening to is the driver of an armored truck. The company name on the side of the truck is Dinks. And because it was so focused on in that scene, I started doing a lot of research about what does Dinks mean? So first, I was like, okay, maybe it's somebody's name that is somehow associated with the show, and that wasn't it. Dink could mean double income, no kids. And I thought, no, that's not it. There are tons of different definitions for dink, and it's all over the map. It's a stupid person to softly hit or kick a ball in sports. It could be someone's first name, someone's last name, and it could also mean penis. 
As it turns out, it's actually just a reference to a real-world armored truck company called Brinks. But, you know, that was a fun little dink hole to travel down. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't catch that. So when he's thrown into fits of laughter, the armored truck driver starts swerving all over the road. He almost hits two painters who are really mad until they too are affected by the gas. And then he drives the truck off of a raised section of the bridge into Gotham River, just barely managing to jump out before he dies. The music in this section is something I really wanted to bring up. I'm going to continue to bring this up. Um, the note that I have written down here is, Shirley, are you okay? Talking to Shirley Walker, the composer of the music for the series. Basically, the music has this weird hip-hop drum beat. It's completely different than anything we've heard in the series so far. It really sounds like it's trying too hard to be cool, but it's not cool at all. I really don't like the music here. From here on out, I am going to refer to the music as dumb music. I thought it was kind of funky fresh. Oh, God. The music does switch when the people on the bridge get affected by the gas. And it turns into this sort of higher, upbeat waltz music, which I'll talk about more later. But it definitely has a switch when people are affected by the gas. From there, the scene transitions to Wayne Manor, or as JR has affectionately dubbed it, Cassidy Batman. And in this scene, we get to see our first look at the new Alfred. As discussed in episode three, unfortunately, Clive Revel would move on from Batman the Animated Series at that point to be replaced by Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. as Alfred, who thankfully is just as sassy as Clive Revel was and would go on to be Alfred for a long time. He would be Alfred in the DC Animated Universe up until the end of Justice League in 2004. Yeah, that's like forever. His sass is showcased at the same time that we get an answer to a question from last episode. Does Bruce Wayne shave? The answer is yes, but not well. <laughs> no, he cuts himself. After he cuts himself, Alfred shows up and says that he's drawn Master Wayne a bath, to which Bruce is incredibly excited and heads towards the tub, which he finds bone dry. And he turns around and Alfred is holding up a drawing of a bath and seems so proud of himself. Because as we talked about, it's April Fool's Day and Alfred is apparently a jokester. Yeah, Bruce seems disappointed that his bath hasn't actually been drawn for him and decides that he's going to take a shower because I guess he's also impatient. I wrote down, what would Bruce do without Alfred? Also, in relation to Alfred drawing a bath, I happened to stumble upon a drinking game for this show when I went down the dink rabbit hole. And for the drinking game, you would take a drink every time Alfred talks about drawing Bruce Wayne a bath. So, so wait, is this a drinking game or a dinking game? Uh -huh. Obviously, we're going to see it a lot in the future if that has been built into this drinking game. So Bruce gets into the shower and has Alfred turn on the radio, which is how he finds out about all of the people descending into terrible laughing fits in Gotham City. And there's some weird animation choices in this scene. Specifically, we only ever get to see Bruce from the chin up while he's in the shower. Yeah, and as soon as he gets wet, he looks like the saddest cat who's been given a bath 
He just looks totally miserable. Yeah, it was just a weird animation choice all around. Bruce steps out of the shower as Alfred comments on the content of the radio broadcast, saying that it sounds like somebody is pulling quite the April Fool's prank. Alfred helps Bruce put his bathrobe on, and this is when I realize that Alfred gets to see Bruce's penis every day. And so the animation choice they made earlier, where they never showed Bruce's nipples, seemed a little unfair to me. Yeah, it was probably a good choice on the part of the animators, though, because a few years later there'd be this whole kerfuffle about bat nipples. But it is a fun fact that Alfred gets to see Bruce Wayne's Bruce Wang all the time. The scene closes with Bruce responding to Alfred's comment with what sounds like it should be a one-liner, but isn't funny. It sounds like an unfunny CSI Miami line, where Bruce goes, Sounds like... The Joker. (laughs) I just kept expecting to hear... That doesn't happen, though. (laughs) Instead, the scene transitions back to the underside of the garbage, where we get to see a submarine that has a fish face on it. We also get to see a couple of guys who we will find out are the Joker's thugs diving down to the armored truck that went into the river earlier. It looks like their wetsuits are fastened together with buttons instead of a zipper like we're used to, and the larger of the two thugs... His buttons are barely hanging on. You can see the strain his wetsuit has trying to keep together. This is also where we find out that it is not about money for the Joker. Because the thugs each grab a bag of cash. But we did a little bit of math. Visible for sure in this scene are at least 144 gold bars. In 1992, the price of gold bars was $333 per troy ounce. There are approximately 4,000 troy ounces in a gold bar, meaning that the 144 gold bars are worth, on paper, in 1992, $19.18 million. All right, so totally nerded out on that part. That doesn't even include the bags of coins? Yeah, all the actual money that's in the truck as well. Yeah. That's just the visible gold bars. The thugs are also wearing purple flippers. I don't know if purple flippers were available for adults in the 90s, but they certainly aren't now. But you know who has the resources to get purple flippers, especially with $19.18 million in gold bars? (laughs) The Joker. And he does like the color purple. He does, which we find (laughs) out when the scene transitions to the inside of the fish sub under the garbage. And we get to see our good friend, the Joker, no longer wearing his Arkham Asylum getup or his Christmas sweater. Oh no, he is all fancied out this time. He's wearing a purple suit. He's got a lapel flower on his suit. He's wearing wingtip shoes. And in this scene, he is powdering his face and putting on cologne. With his suit, he's got a tie on. And this isn't a standard tie like we're used to looking at in suits today. It's called a western bow tie or a colonel tie. And it's named after that because of the KFC mascot. Not to be confused with Colonel Tie from BSG. Wow. I think you may have outnerded me on the gold. <laughs> so yeah, for being a man who sows so much chaos, the Joker really cares about his appearance being immaculate. To the point where when they park the garbage and depart and his thugs are wearing clown masks, 
He is wearing a fishbowl bubble on his head. It's ridiculous. Just so that he doesn't mess up his makeup, I'm pretty sure. The music in this scene, I would expect to be the same as it was on the bridge earlier when the truck driver was affected by the gas, but it's not. In this scene specifically, it's more of a, I, I don't know how to explain it, like a French clown music. But it seems like consistently for the barge, we always hear that dumb hip-hop drum beat music. Yeah, that funky, fresh, sweet hip-hop music. Yeah. So they depart the gar barge, and they head into the city where the Joker gas is starting to affect everyone. And they take advantage of the chaos from all the laughter to start robbing stores, which seems weird since they have $19.18 million in gold bars. Right. We also see a lady laugh so hard that she forgets about her stroller and it rolls away. And when I saw this happen, I thought, well, that baby's dead. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the Joker gas overrides all maternal instincts. Good news is, baby, not dead. We do see the stroller whole again just a couple of seconds later. I mean, the stroller, maybe not the baby. This scene is also the home of two more one-liners from the Joker, which make me think the writers of this episode just loved one-liners but weren't good at them. When they leave the barge, the Joker says, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. And it's supposed to be really funny. And I didn't, I mean, I, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Are they trying to make him feminine with the makeup and the the primping and... And then the shopping. Yeah. And when they're stealing from the stores, he looks straight into the camera and says, Now this is what I call a sidewalk sale. (laughs) It's animated fourth wall breaking. The Joker did it 24 years before the Deadpool movie. Just saying. From here, we transition back to the Batcave where Batman is furiously welding something. And then, for no reason that I can see in this scene, gets on the intercom and asks Alfred to bring him a hex key. I didn't know what a hex key was. Yeah. Common parlance, a hex key is an Allen wrench, and I have no idea why Batman needs an Allen wrench in the Batcave. He didn't appear to be assembling Ikea furniture, but who knows? Ikea was around. The first one in the United States opened in 1985. (laughs) I would figure that Batman would have everything that he needed, tool-wise, anyway, down in his basement. So Alfred responds on the radio by laughing and telling Batman to get it himself and blowing (laughs) a raspberry, which is our first indication that maybe something's wrong with Alfred. Our second indication is the loud crash and sound of breaking glass that comes over the intercom, which causes Bruce to run upstairs to check on his elderly butler. Yeah, and he brought with him a gas mask, but didn't put it on before entering the room. Even though he knows exactly what's been going on with this gas, for some reason he didn't put it on beforehand. Yeah, the good news is, for an old guy, Alfred is incredibly spry. (laughs) He's dancing around, hitting things with brooms, breaking, I almost called it the bat clock. It's just a grandfather clock. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) He's, He's breaking expensive stuff. Yes, we will in fact find out later that he breaks a very expensive item in the scene. But as he descends into fits of laughter, Batman holds him and hears the sound of a radio announcer that we didn't mention earlier in the scene, saying that prolonged exposure to the gas can result in permanent insanity. Permanent insanity. Permanent insanity. (laughs) And so, with Alfred on the line, Batman finally decides to get involved in this whole Joker situation. Right, yeah, like the Joker wasn't a concern before. But before we get to see Batman's actions towards the Joker, we get to see the return of a favorite character, 
Summer Gleason. Yay! She's giving a live report from outside of the Gotham stock market, wearing a very stylish gas mask that still shows her eyes and allows her to emote, while saving money on the cost of animating her mouth moving. Yeah, she's also wearing the same tie that the Joker is. It's just a different color. We also get to experience another one of the Joker's fantastic one-liners. The only things gaining now are the laughing stocks. At this point, we can see that even the Joker's goons are fed up with his one-liners because they roll their eyes. Then we get to see another of Batman's fine vehicles in action. Not only does he have the Batmobile, he also has some sort of bat boat or submarine thing. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, the name I decided to go with for it, and I am open to the better suggestions, is the Unterseebat, <laughs> which he drives right up to the garbage, hitting it with a grapple from the sub and jumping over to confront the Joker in person. The Joker, feeling the shock of the grapple hitting the boat, decides to go check the periscope on the garbage, and we find out that the Joker, not super observant, he looks through the periscope and pans it right across Batman before realizing that he's there, and then he pans it back, and in a very cartoony fashion, Batman punches the periscope, which hurts the Joker. <laughs> I don't actually think this is how periscopes work, mm -mm. but I'm not a scientist, so <laughs> don't quote me on this one. Of course, the Joker and his thugs run up to the surface of the garbage, and they bring along with them the creepy clown that we saw earlier, who we will find out in this scene is, in fact, named Captain Clown. <laughs> Real original Joker. After dealing with the first two thugs, the Joker six Captain Clown on Batman, which is when we find out that Captain Clown, based on the whirring and creaky noises that he makes, is, in fact, a robot. The Joker built a robot and named it Captain Clown. There's a scene when Batman and Captain Clown are going at it where Captain Clown is throttling Batman side to side to side to side. And this is the second time we get to see Batman looking like a sad, wet cat. We also get reaffirmation of something we saw about the Joker in Christmas with the Joker, and that is that he is a master of robotics. In Christmas with the Joker, he had a bunch of toys rigged up in the factory to attack Batman that were incredibly sophisticated. And in this episode, he has arguably a more sophisticated robot, Captain Clown. Yeah, and when we find out that he's a robot, I wrote down in kind of sloppy handwriting on my notes, Captain Clown is a robot. A robot was driving the barge. <laughs> <laughs> Not being prepared to face a super strong clown robot, Batman ends up getting stuffed into a convenient airtight trash can that the Joker has sitting around, and the Joker graciously decides to make some air holes for Batman before having Captain Clown throw him overboard. Yeah, he does that with a knife, which then he tosses aside afterwards. And drops another one-liner on us where he says, I guess his air holes are also water holes. Not it's, funny. It's delivered like, like a one-liner. Not actually but a joke. Yeah, it's not a joke. As Batman sinks into Gotham River, the screen fades to black, and here is where we would have had an incredibly suspenseful commercial break if we'd been watching it live. But instead, it fades back in as the garbage drives away and Batman continues to sink. Yeah, the music here is fantastic. While he's sinking, the notes in the music are descending down, 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 down. So it really illustrates orally what's happening in the scene. Of course, Trapped in an untenable situation, doomed to drown at the bottom of Gotham River, 
Batman does the only thing we would expect him to at this point and reaches for his utility belt. I was kind of shocked that that was even an option for him. I didn't expect the instrument panel on his utility belt to work underwater. Not only does it work underwater, it allows him to call the Untersea Bat <laughs> and use its fantastic powers of having a laser to help him escape. I had to do a Google search because I wasn't sure that lasers could work underwater. And thank goodness I wasn't the only person to do the search. So I don't feel as dumb as I did before. But absolutely, lasers work underwater. It's oh. a thing. Yep. So Batman manages not to slice himself in half with the laser, but gets the lid off the trash can and swims to the surface where he gasps for air, leaving the only unanswered question from this scene, why didn't he just use the laser on the barge? Yeah. Yeah, that's his weapon. Upon regaining his breath, Batman jumps into the Intersea Bat and cruises away towards where the barge went, which is where the next scene happens to take place. The Gar Barge has been docked outside of Ace Waste Disposal, where there are some holes cut in the fence, and there are two giant tanks presumably full of liquid joker gas, being used to pump more joker gas onto the barge. At this point, the only thing I could think was, why are these tanks full of joker gas in the first place? To fill them with joker gas, he would have had to drive up to them with tankers that have hoses on the back. So why not just use the tankers to cover the barge? Upon arriving at Ace Waste Disposal, Batman uses a really fancy bat shuriken to cut the hoses coming off of the tanks and stop the flow. And we're treated to another fight scene between Batman and the thugs. In this scene, the music is back to the dumb music. And the first thug is showing off his, I don't know, karate moves. And so in combination with the music, it's just beyond ridiculous. I was totally thrown off, not engaged in that scene at all. This music is just really not doing it for me. I don't know. I still kind of like the music. Batman hastily dispatches the thugs yet again, this time by pulling their gas masks off and exposing them to the Joker gas, causing them to become useless with fits of laughter before being attacked by Captain Clown. At some point during this fight, Captain Clown grabs Batman's cape, illustrating that capes are not practical superhero attire. No, they are not, but they are great for allowing the Joker to drop another not-funny one-liner and say that Captain Clown is really becoming attached to Batman. Like it's not funny. No, it's, it's really not. <laughs> I guess you just can't call him the sentence-sayer. You gotta call him the Joker, but none of these are jokes so far. It's like they thought, we're going to pump in quantity of jokes so that maybe one will hit. One will be funny, and then we will be successful. So far, they're uh, 0 for 4. <laughs> 5, if you count, sounds like the joke. Batman slips his cape and lures Captain Clown further into the waste disposal plant, where he hits him upside the face with a metal rod, breaking away his facade and showing that he's actually an incredibly advanced robot which illustrates that the Joker is just a genius when it comes to robotics. Between this and the stuff from Christmas with the Joker with all of the toys that he had animated to attack Batman, he's just a master roboticist. After using a metal rod to break open Captain Clown's face, Batman trips him into a trash compactor where he is smushed into a cube, which really distresses the Joker for a 
about four seconds before he just uses a crane to drop a pile of trash on Batman and sits on the former Captain Clown, now Captain Cube, <laughs> as he is taken down a conveyor belt deeper into the waste management plant where Batman chases after him. This conveyor belt, by the way, is about a quarter mile long and drops into a trough of flowing molten lava. So, you know, workplace safety is really high on the list in Gotham City. But there is signage saying danger along the way, but of course neither of them pay attention to that. No, instead what happens is the Joker, knowing that the lava trough is coming up, hops off of the conveyor belt, whereas Batman is not so lucky. At the last second, Batman jumps from the conveyor belt onto this giant bucket Imagine a hot air balloon. This is a bucket about that size. And for some reason, the dumb music plays here. Throughout the episode, we've only heard it play with the garbage. And so I was thinking that the music was directly related to the garbage. But maybe it's directly related to the Joker. But then earlier when the Joker wasn't on the garbage... They were playing the waltz music, so it was a little inconsistent there to try and figure out exactly how the theme was working in the music. Yeah, it was kind of weird. What follows is an incredibly tense chase scene through the bowels of the waste disposal plant with Batman almost falling into various pits or troughs of lava, but just barely surviving every single time before cornering the Joker on a catwalk. At this point, the Joker pulls out some razor-sharp playing cards and chucks them at Batman. And just seems really shocked when Batman catches one. Like it's this impossible thing to catch a playing card. Yeah, he is just blown away. And some people like to talk about how Batman is a useless superhero or that he's not a superhero at all. He's just got all this awesome tech. But actually, this scene demonstrates exactly how skillful Batman is. He has cat-like or bat-like reflexes. And is pretty strong for just a regular guy to have caught himself from falling in all these different situations leading up to the catwalk. Yeah, it would be established much more heavily in comics later that Batman is essentially an Olympic level athlete at everything he does because he has spent years training his body and mind. But at this point, he's got the skills to pay the bills and also the immense cash resources to pay the bills. <laughs> what we're saying is Batman's bills are not a problem. No, no. What is a problem is the one-liner Batman tries to drop here. That's right. Batman tries a one-liner in this scene and says, Clean up your act, Joker. And it's still not funny. It's better than a number of the other ones. You're right. This one is mediocre. <laughs> Instead of cleaning up his act, the Joker tries to run away, and in a very similar fashion to what we saw in Christmas with the Joker, he trips and falls over some railing and ends up being suspended over something molten, waiting for Batman to save him. He even says, you wouldn't let me die, would you, Batman? Yeah, and the tone that he uses is sort of like a two-year-old about to start a temper tantrum. Yeah, as a first response to this question, Batman just rests his arm on the railing and stares off into space wistfully with this daydreamy smile like, Oh, man, I could just let him fall and die. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> but, of course, instead of letting the Joker fall to a terrible, molten, fiery death, Batman pulls him up and saves his life. Yeah, it was kind of comical. I almost expected the Joker to say something 
like, oh, thanks, pal. Yeah, that probably wouldn't have been out of place in this episode. So we can assume that the Joker is arrested and sent back to Arkham Asylum. And as a closing scene to end the episode on kind of a high note, we transition back to Casa de Wayne. It's Casa de Batman. <laughs> okay. We transition back to Casa de Batman, and Bruce gets his revenge on Alfred from earlier in the episode. Because as it turns out, that expensive thing that Alfred broke that we were talking about was a Ming vase. Or vase. Immediately my thought was, oh, that's coming out of Alfred's paycheck. And then Bruce says that. Yep, he says, it's okay. I'll just take it out of your paycheck for the next few years. To which Alfred first gets super wide-eyed and scared and then just totally goes with it. He's like, okay. <laughs> Very Eeyore-esque. And then Bruce just says, Alfred, April Fools. And the episode fades to the credits. To wrap up this episode, now that we've had some more experience with the Joker, we're going to talk about some things that we are starting to notice as patterns with his character. One of the things we noticed about the Joker is it's not so much the crimes themselves for him that are important, but just broadcasting his involvement in those crimes. For example, in this episode, it really wasn't necessary for them to vandalize the city for money. They'd already accomplished that by stealing the contents of the armored truck earlier on. $19.18 million. Yeah, and this just reaffirms the Joker's behavior from Christmas with the Joker where his entire plan revolved around taking over a TV station and literally broadcasting himself committing these crimes. As demonstrated in this episode, the Joker likes to joke, or at least he tries. Hashtag you try. I don't know that the Joker had much opportunity in Christmas with the Joker to primp, having just escaped from Arkham Asylum, but definitely it's something that is important to him in this episode. And now that I think of it, most versions of the Joker I've seen have been just very clean and well-kept. With Heath Ledger's Joker being a major exception to that. Oh, yeah. As far as Christmas with the Joker goes, I think his appearance definitely mattered to him in that as well, though, because he was all about that sweater. Oh, God, yeah. As a psychopath... He is well-organized and likes to plan. He is crazy, but he thinks things through ahead of time. Yep, though he doesn't seem to do the math on his money. Otherwise, he would have known that all those gold bars would be more than enough to take care of anything he wanted to do, $19.18 million. Definitely one thing I liked about this episode is that we got to learn a lot more about the Joker, and I feel like we're becoming more familiar with him which is good because he's the main villain. And on the note of you liking something about this episode, I think that we should put a button in the last laugh and go ahead and give it our rating. All right. Initially, I said I'd give it six out of ten cows. But now, after having recorded the podcast and talked about everything that I didn't like, I'm going to go with five. Oh, I'm still going to stick with six out of ten cows. So last laugh gets an adobe cow, 5.5 out of ten. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this fourth episode of ReDCAU. Next time on Red Cow, we'll be reviewing the episode titled Pretty Poison. I wonder who that episode is about. <laughs> if you want to find more of JR and I, you can catch us every Sunday over at twitch.tv slash hpbraincase, where we stream horror video games together. 
And just as a reminder, this podcast, the streams, and everything else we do is brought to you by your support over on Patreon at patreon.com slash hpbraincase. You can also find us on Twitter. I am at jrskinnycat. And I'm at hpbraincase. And until next time, may your nights be dark and your cows be red. Farewell. Goodbye. Not being prepared. Prepared? Not being prepared. Prepared. They're both wearing web. It looks like they're web suits. Web web suits. It looks like they're webs. Oh my god. (laughs) This week on Re Spider Man. (laughs) Looks like the fronts of their web suit. Web suits. (laughs)